0: welcome to the grip strip podcast episode 63 the elio castro dash neves is a four-time winner of the indianapolis 500 and uh young money who maggots think is the greatest driver that's ever lived uh destroyed in the 600 and whatever else that we're going to talk about here tonight uh on the grip strip podcast before we introduce ourselves i want to um give condolences to the family of jason de Pasquier, the moto 3 rider who was um uh tragically uh, killed on saturday in um at mugello during qualifying in moto 3 and um they found out that he passed away during the moto 2 race uh, we give our um Condolences to his family and to the whole MotoGP paddock during this time uh, as they um, have back-to-back races here. They raced at uh, Mugello in his honor. Um, We'll talk about the the racing there last week, and then we'll also talk about this weekend's race at uh, Circuit de Barcelona-Catalunya on a back-to-back. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? I'm doing great, Phil. And we had a great uh, weekend
1: of racing in IndyCar and NASCAR. And also, I do want to also extend my condolences to the family of Jason Depaskier, but unfortunate that that happened. But uh, other than that, um, it was a great weekend for uh, stock car and for IndyCar racing, though, well, mostly IndyCar, but uh, yeah. glad to be able to talk about it
0: yeah I mean and you know for we're post Memorial Day and the way that these shows are going right now from myself as executive producer I'm Baba booing it because of work um we'll probably be able to hear them all back to back to back if you really want to if you're a fan of us here on the GSP uh the fact of the matter is um to the men and women that uh gave their lives for us to be able to have our freedoms and uh be here and just be able to do our shows and live our life uh, we're grateful to you and we're thankful to you um post day, it doesn't matter always that way um, but that was what this weekend this past weekend was about and um even though racing stands out amongst everything on this week this past weekend. Uh the first thing we will discuss is the fact that Elio Castro Dash Neves uh won in his first start for Meyer Shank Racing and he won his fourth Indianapolis 500 beating Alex Pelot in a great duel. Uh I mean Alio had a great car. He made an outside pass on lap one turn one and he passed ryan hunter Ray and i'm like that i mean he had a great car he had a great month going anyway but i mean i it would have been nice if i i'm pretty sure i'd have made i would have made enough money if i'd put a good bet on elio Castroneves dash neves uh to if he to go and win the indianapolis 500 i mean he's three-time winner he's one of the greatest ever that's ever driven uh, at the Speedway but to be the first international driver to join that illustrious group of AJ Foyt Al Unser and Rick Mears it hasn't happened in 30 years a four-time winner It 20 years since his first win there's so many crazy things that happen I mean, we're going to get into this race uh, in more detail, but man, um, honestly, I was sitting at the VFW watching this race and it was so emotional going and talking to other people that were watching the race and explaining what this means and all like it, like I've never been a Elio Castro Neves person really, but this was unbelievable. I'm, I can only... I w- I can't remember. I didn't see Rick Mears. I know I was alive for two of his four wins. I mean, maybe three. I mean, I mean the math may be wrong, but the fact of the matter is at least two of the four. I think it was 82 and 84 that he won his first two Indy 500s or something like that, or eight, like whatever. Like, I know I was alive for two of his. I was only alive for one of Al Unser's, and I definitely wasn't alive for any of A.J. Foyt's. And I'm sure in your case, there's like none of them. So the fact of the matter is the fact that we've both been alive for all of Alio's four wins and the way things have been. And, you know, for him, that big gap between the third and fourth wins, um, what happened even in the third win uh, when um, he figured out to evade taxes and somehow or another get away with it, come back, he got willpower a a career job too in the process i mean he did a solid for Will Power there and then also came back won the indy 500 uh he he's gonna convince jim meyer to just cut a check for like 10 mil so he can run the rest of the season not he won't be running the rest of this season but he'll probably be running next year um in his chase to join jeff gordon as a five-time winner at indy but really Nobody gives a shit about Jeff Gordon winning five Brickyard 400s honestly. They if 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 Helio Castroneves wins five Indy 500s like he's OG god his hair color has never changed in 20 plus years of being at the speedway which is um which is amazing. I'm doing air quotes for Josh. Um I know he uses shoe polish to make that happen. I mean his daughter is like some as a teenager i mean come on you know that mf use uses just for men i mean it's some bullshit. i He's mean it's got tony, gray there <laughs> yeah i mean tony canaan lost his hair a long time ago like fuck you you know we know your hairs you're coloring your hair like like be honest about it but that celebration the way it was the fact that nbc knowing how nbc is let that happen organically and it, ims and everybody let that happen organically was one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen uh as a motorsports fan um i mean we're going to get into this race in more detail but elio castroneves four-time indianapolis 500 winner and we've been alive to see all four of those races it's it's a pretty epic deal
1: yeah it's pretty epic for elio to get his fourth like that and you talk about like drivers before him who had won four well you know i wasn't around for any of them and i think for me like getting into racing growing up like i think my first exposure to the 500 was seeing the uh newspaper paper clipping of uh elio winning his second indy 500 in 2002 and then seeing the uh spider-man celebration i think that was like the photo on the front page of the newspaper and seeing that. And that's um, something that kind of stuck out to me because of the celebration. You know, I just seen the Spider-Man movie and all that, but I think now getting his fourth, uh, I think he was the perfect driver to do it, uh, especially this year with uh, fans coming back to the speedway and just how passionate you see Helio Cachinetis as a driver uh, winning the 500. You saw him hug basically everybody on the front stretch uh, after he got out of his car. and, then you know he did his uh, celebratory uh, fence climb like he always does whenever he wins and uh, it just shows just you know the amount of passion that he has as a driver who we've seen it before certainly the 500 seen it even when he's angry we've seen uh, his passion if you go back to Edmonton in 2010 when he uh, got into it with uh with the officials there and Brian Barnhart which I watched earlier but uh you know he he was the perfect driver to win this race because uh, you just felt the energy from the fans, from, from him uh, in that post-race celebration. And he, he was, you know, he's got the the talent to do it with uh, the way he was able to pass uh, Alex Blow with two laps to go. I mean, he, he didn't have the most dominant car as far as laps led. I don't think anybody really did, but, uh, you, you know, for him to be able to get his fourth is uh, pretty amazing. And just, you know, put a cap on just uh, how superb of a race that this uh, Indianapolis 500 was
0: yeah it was it was the fastest indy 500 ever it was the cleanest indy 500 ever with the least amount of cautions i mean it was a great race honest to god it was a great race it was uh really really i mean it was a great one to watch i mean i didn't have to go through the announcing thankfully um i heard about how bad it was but the fact of the matter was Watching the race itself, it was great. There was a lot of guys that could have won that race, uh, you know, with with the Ed Carpenter cars. I mean, Connor Daly getting the hometown cheer, and he had a great car, led the most laps. I was rooting for him to win that race, because if Connor Daly had won that race, I don't think that party would, would have ended by now I think he would have flown all over the country all over the world he'd have been so drunk he wouldn't be uh able to get to Detroit um that's how big it would have been he hasn't won a race in forever too um Renus VK had a great car I I mean there was so much that went on in this race that really wasn't hit on in the sense uh, because, of course, Alio winning his fourth is what it ma- What matters the most. I mean, Alex Pillow takes the points lead going past his own teammate, who's the OG in Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon had a good car, not a great car. I think he was just biding his time. But because of the first yellow, which saw Stefan Wilson crash in pit road, it left everybody that didn't pit in a in a bad position and it basically ended scott dixon's day and alex alexander rossi's day because i think ever since colton Herta showed up alexander rossi's had like he needs to get like he's had horrible luck i don't know what it is um i mean colton Herta was up there early but then he kind of disappeared i mean there were so many cars there were so many drivers paddle award was up there I mean, th- th- there were so many people that really had a good car. Uh, one like the best car that could have won this deal. Alia was up there the whole day. Uh, and Alex Pillow, I think they played the strategy the best. Um, and in the end, Alex Pillow just got snookered by by a veteran. And he's going to learn from it. I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of like what um, Carlos Munoz, Carlos Munoz, as um, the great AJ Foyt called him, uh, did when he won them. when he finished second in those Indy 500s. I think Alex Plo is gonna get another shot at it, and he'll be able to respond uh, in future years because he's gonna get multiple shots at this because uh, Ganassi doesn't. He likes winners, so he's not gonna get rid of him. Uh, the results. Saw Elio Castro win in his first race for Meyer Shank, as I had said, uh, making drinking strawberry milk in victory lane, no less. Alex Pelot, second, Simon Pagino from 26th to third. He had a great car, one of the best cars in practice. He said he had a great piece. Uh, Pato Award in fourth, Ed Carpenter in fifth. Rootbeer Floathead in sixth, Sage Karam seventh, Renus VK eighth, Juan Pablo Monterrier in ninth, and Tony Kanaan, after a brutal early part of the race, uh, came back for a top 10. Uh, new, uh, Connor Daly led the most laps, finished 13th. We're going to get into why he finished 13th, other than the Fuel. Uh, Colton Herta finished 16th. Scott Dixon came back to finish 17th. Uh, there were 22 cars on the lead lap, Ryan hunter reay the last. Scott McLaughlin, uh, fuel mileage and work out in his favor, finished 20th. Jack Harvey, the teammate to Alio finished um, 18th. Uh, the fact is there's only two cautions. Uh, Stefan Wilson crashed. That basically ruined the day for both uh, Alexander Rossi, who ended up finishing 29th, and Dixon, who had a battle all day, to finish 17th. And then um, I think the the crash that we need to mention, a uh, huge one. Uh, we'll, I mean, we talked about O-War, we'll get into those, but I think the biggest thing that really came out of that race outside of the win and all that was... The crash for graham ray hall Rahal, rehall um while leading uh came onto pit road team left the left rear tire loose he went and he was driving on the warm-up lane he spun out right into traffic it had all the um looks and pieces of the alex zanardi crash sand minus the fact he was going way faster um and he wiped out uh with what could have been i mean in the end when you consider how many drivers that were up there graham ray hall had great fuel mileage great car takuma sato was up there to trying to do a fuel save to try to win this race for a second year in a row and a third time they had a chance to win this race and that mistake that was the last caution of the race too that mistake cost graham ray hall it almost it could have been way worse the fact that all that happened was they wrecked a race car is is a miracle and that graham ray hall is fine miracle and that connor daly nailed a freaking tire and didn't get hurt none of that they couldn't replace the wing. I don't know what the hell happened. They didn't replace the wing. At the end of the day, at that point, you're not going to be able to be competitive. And he had led a lot of laps and he'd just fallen back. He just made the wrong juke and then sent that tire off into outer space to be a part of the Space Force um, for maggots and all that. Uh, I mean, that crash was really big and it could have been, really bad in a lot of ways but we're just glad that you know not only graham ray hall connor daly no fans were affected in that spot
1: yeah i think for that accident there graham ray hall like if he had not had that accident happen i think he would have been a serious contender for the win And like you said, in in his interview, like he was pretty dejected because he felt like with the strategy that they had with the, the fuel mileage that they were getting, uh, compared to the rest of the field, it seemed like, uh, and with the way the cautions were going, which would, I think if that hadn't happened, I mean, there wouldn't be a caution for the rest of the race, uh, either way, but, uh, he probably could have had a really good shot at the end of winning the race. And, uh, unfortunately that didn't happen for him and thankfully, uh, no serious injuries and uh, he didn't get t-boned by any of the leaders that were coming uh onto traffic and right right as he was spinning out and then also uh, with the tire that uh connor Daly put into the air i think um that was a good thing that it didn't uh impact anybody i think it did go over the fence if i'm not mistaken but it didn't hit anybody and um there there wasn't really anything connor Day would connor Daly could have done there i think it was um kind of just gonna come onto his path and uh there wasn't really any uh chance for him to avoid it and i don't know why they couldn't have uh fixed the nose because it seemed like there was some pretty significant damage to the nose there but uh i think for Daly, that that changed the race and he i think he had the best car uh before that because he was making moves on restarts and he was definitely uh leading a, a lot of laps and i you know i think those ecr cars in general were pretty strong but i think Daly ended up having the best car during race trim runs and i think if uh that hadn't happened we would be definitely a uh, good chance that we'd be definitely talking about uh connor daly being the winner of uh, this year's any 500 and i think going back to what you said in the opener like connor daly uh if, if he had won the race like probably uh would still be celebrating today i mean he was uh partying it up on friday night i heard and i think uh he probably would have had a second party for that. So, well, I I think for him definitely uh, disappointing, but uh, certainly emotional as well, because uh, you know he's an Indianapolis native and grew up around this race, and his dad was a racer. And you know, I think for for me also, like when he took the lead initially, like the, uh, daily was, I think the fans were just going wild for him and you could hear it on the TV too. Uh, it was uh, just crazy. And that's kind of like the turning point in the race uh, or one of the first turning points in the race where you felt the energy in the race and, and knew that this was going to be a pretty good race to watch.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you had the most fans that have been at a sporting event since pandemic and the cheers for an Indiana boy, I mean, granted, you know, his dad's a legend in his own right in multiple ways and Derek Daly, his stepfather is a president of the speedway. You know, like it's it's crazy, you know. It, Connor Daly hasn't won in a long time, but so many people love him, and he's really a good guy. And fundamentally, um there that's the kind of thing you need. Uh I mean, Alio winning is great and it does its thing but you have a just a journeyman driver which is what Connor daly is if he ever wins a race he's probably not he's probably gonna get so shit-faced between marco between tony stu marco tony stewart all these people guy ain't gonna make it to the next race i mean now he's on some health kick um, they're probably going to shave his head too. I mean, they're going to do so many things to him. It's going to be like college or high school hazing or something. Uh, if he ever wins an Indy car race, I mean, if he had won the Indy 500, forget it. I don't think he'd ever made it to Detroit. Uh, but leading the most laps, that car was great. Him and Renis had great cars, fuel mileage wasn't in their best, wasn't in the best, uh, Uh, strat or whatever they didn't have it because they were up front uh give if you want to go and listen to another show i'm going to go and give a shout out to the monkey seat podcast they did a great job uh recapping indy 500 i was listening to that a couple days ago too um they had a guy from the race uh talking about it and so they talked about the fuel strat for uh ecr wasn't in their favor i mean the fact is when you're running up front you're not going to be able to save as much but connor didn't give a fuck and i love that um and and i think renas would have been able to figure out a way because he's getting better he's learning the the point is rena's vk is 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 a sick sick individual and he's funny as hell doing the freaking lightning mcqueen thing two years in a row and they knew it like you saw it in the in the intros like James Hinchcliffe reacted and Ed Carpenter like they already knew like it was great um uh, I mean that that was a it would have been something if they had been able to save a little more fuel and of course Connor dodging that freaking projectile uh I think it would have been a different situation but unfortunately. It didn't work out so well for him, uh, you know for award, for polo who are guys that are in the points right now. uh I mean Pado award, I think he had a good car, didn't have a great car. I think a lot of guys had really good cars, but they didn't have a great cars, and that's what made this race so intriguing uh you know there was and it, there weren't a whole lot of cautions, which is an indy car uh stand stand out unlike nascar who insists on having multiple cautions uh formula 1 didn't have cautions but it doesn't even really make a huge generally doesn't make a huge difference sports cars don't really have a whole lot of cautions even with pro am drivers uh i mean this Indianapolis 500 is relatively clean and uh and frankly you know when you i i think you mentioned something, uh Josh, about Dixon. I mean, I think a lot of people, including me, thought that Dixon was going to win this race. And that one caution basically ended him uh, because they couldn't get the car restarted. They had to go and connect the computer, they had to go and do all kinds of stuff. And he lost the one lap and he couldn't get that lap. It took him forever to get the lap back. And then, you know, by that point, you're so far back in traffic. It was very hard to really make a lot of passes. It was better. I'll I'll say that the racing in general uh this year was I to me, like they talk like Tony said it. It's like if you want to have passing, you can go out on the four oh five, whatever the hell their highway is out in Indy. And then but if you want racing To me, the racing was better this year than it has been for the last few years with this uh, spec um, aero kit. But even at that point, like if you're in the in the traffic, like you really needed to have good pitch strategy or good fuel mileage, which is what worked out for the likes of Karim and Roopier Floathead and the like like that, you know, or you need to have a really, really damn good car like Pagino to go and move up the field, but it took him all day. He started 26. He basically needed that last run and he was really on, on point. Otherwise like passing was at a premium, which is what racing is supposed to be about.
1: Yeah. Passing was on a premium. Uh, I mean, you saw it on restarts, obviously. And I think when they were close together, Uh, Right after pit stop or uh, right after restart or in the start, like that's when the best opportunity to pass was. And we saw with Connor Daly, like he made uh, a lot of aggressive moves early on. And I think if it came down to him and Castro Neves, I think he would have out Castro Neves, Castro Neves, because we saw with the type of move that he made at the end uh, passing below, he did it on the outside and he uh, followed in his tracks on the front stretch and, and was able to uh, carry enough momentum from the draft into turn one. And we saw it uh, in the second, I think the second restart after or the first restart after the start uh, for the first caution, uh, Connor Daly made a really bold move into turn three and, and basically uh, was in the grass trying to pass uh, uh, Castro Nevis there. And it's like, like I said earlier, I think Daly probably had the best uh, car to, to be able to make those kind of moves and then hold the lead. I mean, obviously, the fuel strategy uh, was a different answer, or a different question there. So uh, it would have uh, had to make up for that, but they would have been able to be probably the team that could have made up for the lack of uh, strategy or lack of fuel mileage, I guess. But in general, I mean, passing, you know, you really, really have to be able to time your runs still with this, but it was definitely better. Uh, because I think like 2018, like uh after a restart, uh you couldn't make any moves and the, the leader got too far out and would get you know up to like three second lead and uh 2019 it was a little bit better. Uh last year I think Dixon was too dominant uh on his own but he still there were still moments where Dixon got passed by Takuma Sato. and then this year um I think uh it was still you're still able to pass Uh, you know, you can see Renus VK early on make move on uh, Colton Herda. Then you saw Daly make a move on uh, VK and then the action, I think between Pelot and uh, cash Nevis there, and then also paddle award. Uh, it was definitely a race that you weren't sure who was going to win until the very end. Uh, and I think uh, the increased ability to pass definitely helped with that and definitely uh, made made it a really good uh, 500 to watch. And then I, I think also with uh, this, I guess uh, with this package, I mean, I, I think uh, a year, another year of having the arrow screen, uh, I think definitely uh, helped them because obviously they have more data and they can figure out like how to optimize for downforce and uh, and, you know, take out as much drag as they can. And I think that definitely helped too. Now I'll go back to Dixon. I think with, with, uh, the first caution getting caught on pit road and then having to stall out and having trouble refiring, I think if they didn't have that issue, they probably would have been one of the teams up front, uh, at the end of the day. Cause if you look at it, how dominant of a car Alex blow had, you think of how Scott Dixon would have been able to be, uh, in that scenario if, uh, they had been there, but unfortunately they, yeah. uh, they needed help with cautions and that just wasn't going to happen. And so if, if they had gotten a quick yellow, which is probably what they were hoping for, get a quick yellow and get back on the lead lap and then drive up back to the front. That's probably what you would have been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been able to do that. But uh, unfortunately, Scott Dixon uh, out of contention and that probably helped the race too, because then it allowed everybody else to uh, have a chance to try to lead the race.
0: Yeah. that would have been something Castro. What is it? Dixon versus Castro Neves going back to the old IRL days, going back to the early tens, you know, whatever, late two thousands, whatever it would have been old school. I, it, what is it? Uh, champ net or whatever. I, I forget his handle. Um, Champweb, champ web. Yeah. Um, Don, he was post he posted or the milwaukee mile from i think 2001 or something and when scott dixon had just a couple few weeks after he'd won his first race at nazareth and he had hair uh or a lot of hair and it was bright and blonde and like kenny Bright, like it was and then he had elio castranash Neves on the front row Uh, with Kenny Brack and they wrecked each other on lap one, turn one at the Milwaukee mile tells you what, how long both of those guys have been around. It would have been something if Dixon had been there. Honestly, I don't think it would have been a benefit like last year, last August's race was because there's too many cars that were really, really uh, up there. Dixon was full on fuel save. He wasn't trying to lead. He was going to win the race kind of in the same kind of strat as Graham Rahal was doing. Uh, it's unfortunate what happened with him. I mean, whatever it is, people hate him. Whatever. Like, I'm, I, I don't like some of the shit he says or how he is, whatever. But the, to be completely honest, they had hit the right strategy and they were in a good position. Uh, I think by the end it would have played out theoretically in their favor, but I don't know if you'd have been able to defend Alio Kashradash Neves or Alex Pelot or an ECR car. Uh the Ray Hall cars were good uh enough, but they weren't as good as the ECR cars or Alio uh or Pelo the Pelot. Uh, I mean Canon was nowhere most of the day and he came back to get a top 10 you know Erickson just does Erickson things so it was a great Indianapolis 500 one of the best Indianapolis 500s uh I've ever seen in my lifetime and it's 36 years and of the years that I can remember it's probably nearly 30 29 years uh so uh, it was a great race. Uh, having fans back was huge. we um, will be something. Hopefully one of these years I'll get there. Uh, we could possibly do something. We could get crazy and go and do a road trip or something to get really yeah, crazy. To and go, go, go to Indy. Go and watch the little 500. Somehow or another wake up in the morning and... and and or get somewhere close to the speedway, we could sit there and then one of us can drive to speedway and we could pregame at the speedway and watching the other side. It would be that would be an epic trip, but we'll figure it out as we go. Now, we transitioned from a race that was probably one of the best that's ever been that's ever happened, uh, to one of the uh more generally mediocre uh races, but then when you consider what it is, it and don't I you could go and hit me up, it's fine. You could go and accuse me of bias or whatever the hell. The Coca-Cola six hundred for what it is for a long time has not been a great race to watch. You need to be either completely shit faced or you need to be a fan of whoever's dominating for it to be a good race. Uh, I say that as somebody who's had a driver that's won it once, and he needed Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson to give it away for that to happen. Um, otherwise, I'd have never watched a driver win the race. I've watched Tony Stewart figure out every which way to not win it or not be able to get there in just in time. Uh for Josh, you know Dale jr ran out of fuel in yeah, thirteen eleven or eleven whatever yeah one of those years i mean there there's it's not a great it's a historic race, it's a legendary race back when it actually was an endurance test it actually there was some intrigue. people blew engines, people hit the wall. there was something to do that now you're just trying to dodge shitty cars because the the minimum speed is like five seconds it's like make it two and a half or three seconds on or make it a second or two seconds on fresh tires and then go from there the point is there was at least six cars that were basically roadblocks that was the only thing that was intriguing uh people being pissed about the fact that david Starr's car was piece of shit it's like it's not about david Starr or the mdm team you consider what kind of money they have and all the stuff that's going on there it's not about them uh they're at least trying to show up and do something unlike the Rick Ware cars that are just you know it's a joke or the double zero car that's a joke it, they're using older equipment i mean what are you going to do uh, i'll i'll always give mdm and uh, anybody who drives for them a lot more credit or or, or benefit of the doubt because they i know I, I, because they actually try rick Ware racing is, is just a joke and so is the double zero team uh the sport would be better if none of those teams Existed and there were people, those people were transferred over to other teams that would that are actually trying to perform, like a track house or 2311. Or, you know, in this case, the way things are, Stewart House racing with their other three teams that aren't Kevin Harvick, you know, things like that. Um, there were how many leaders? There's 23 lead changes among 13 drivers, four cautions, which were. What is it? Um, three stage. Okay, so three stage uh, breaks with a sort of oil fluid on track. Um, caution. So there was only four cautions in the race. Young Money uh, dominated, won all three stages, and led 327 laps to go and give Hendrick Motorsports their 269th win in uh nascar cup series competition and uh breaking their tie with what was uh petty enterprises now is uh richard petty motorsports and uh yeah i mean larson wins everything it was it was it was a benefit chase elliott finishes second kyle bush third byron fourth bowman fifth so hendrick Motorsports had four of the top five. And, uh, yeah, Bald Spot, who drove a Pride car uh, last night, and I'm sure he didn't want to have anything to do with that because he's a fucking cuckold anyway and a douche. Uh, Dennis Hamlin, Busher, Reddick, Kevin Harvick finished the top 10. Uh, Brad Keselowski in his one race with a beer car, finished 11th. Oh, Richard, I had to do it. I had to do yep. it oh, <laughs> It's been a long time. I've been, it's, you know, between Miss Hummer showing up on the Indy 500 and they're making everything about her, even though she's a swordswallower, and I'm sure PT was whacking it to her outfit change uh, when she was on the stage on the Pagoda. Uh, finished 12th. Barbara Wallace, 14th. Angering all the maggots. Finished on the lead lap, too. Uh, Daniel Suarez had a great car, but got caught a couple, at least one lap down, and then they lost some lap during one of the stages. Eric Jones had a good car as well. Uh, you know, the Logano. Some of these guys are got two laps down. Some of them had really good cars. Logano, uh, they just good strategy and then the way the runs went they work in their favor um yeah kurt bush uh, had problems of uh, issues with engine and ross chastain uh finished basically dead last of all the cars running so martin truex jr finished 29th but it doesn't matter because of how many wins he has But for Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, it's a big deal. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Larson domination gets the historic win for Fat Felon. Uh, The hard R guy gets the win for the Fat Felon. I guess it's all is good in the world for those kind of people.
1: Yeah, I mean Kyle Larson winning, uh, actually winning a race. I mean we've seen him uh, a couple of races this year where. He dominated and led the most laps, but failed to win the race. And this time he actually came yep. through and you know, he was just had that good of a car. And I think credit to him, the uh oh, well, credit to everybody else not crashing or whatever, because I think all that stuff happened where he faded because of a you know late race yellow or whatever and couldn't uh, keep up with the track, but actually uh, closing and getting a, a pretty big win. I mean, it's one of the crown jewel races of NASCAR and uh, now um, getting that win and then also setting the uh, record for most teams uh, or most wins by a team or team owner with uh, Hendrick getting his, you know, nice uh, 269th win there. Definitely a a milestone win for uh, that team. But, you know, I think earlier you said like uh, the 600 not being a, a really great race for a long time you know it hasn't been a good race to watch in probably 10 years or so but uh, i mean even up until you know 2016 there was still the strategy element of it And now of course we have uh, nascar holding hands uh, for for the teams with uh, the stages and
0: halftime um, breaks
1: yeah. too halftime oh yeah well yeah Forgot which i that. mean i yeah. get
0: it but even and, in I mean, that it's sense too much. it's too yeah. much
1: yeah i mean they didn't do it years ago and i mean it was just as patriotic to to run on on uh, memorial day weekend as it's ever been so uh you know whatever but uh, uh and it, i mean it it's it's not a uh, i don't know whatever but uh that part and then uh it, and there's still strategy i guess you, know, you still have to be will make it in a certain number of stops but certainly having cautions to uh help you out there and figure out uh when to pit or Whatever, um, definitely takes a lot of the strategy element of the race that you know made it uh, one of the races to uh, watch. Not only for the distance, but you know, one of the, you talked about earlier, like Dale Jr. running out of gas. Well, you know, running out of gas used to be a thing at the six hundred, where and you know we saw great finishes. You know, K- Casey Mears uh, stealing one in two thousand seven and running out of gas uh, on the last lap, or or coming to the checkers or whatever. And, you know, it was one of the races where you could really see those kind of finishes and don't really see that anymore with uh, this race. And then, you know, with the 550 package, we talked about it before, not going to get into it, but, you know, with uh, the, the, uh, the fans, you know, there was a, a group of fans in, in turn one, I think that were doing the wave in the middle of the race. Cause they were bored of the 550 package. So I think that <laughs> tells you that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad, but you know, it, it goes back to the, the tire, the track surface being too, too smooth. Uh, the package or whatever, all that stuff just contributes to uh, racing at Charlotte in general, not being as much as a 600 because, you know, if they still raced uh, in the fall on the oval, it'd, it'd be just as bad. So, you know, uh, Larson dominated Hendrick finished uh, top five, basically. Um, and then the rest of the field uh, was just there. Uh, and Kyle Busch uh, managed to, I guess, not make it a Hendrick sweep on the longest race and actually the most valuable race in NASCAR, because it pays the most points, uh, but uh, it was a all ultimately a whatever race and uh, maybe next year it'll be a, a better race to watch we'll see
0: well we'll see what happens with that they're trying to figure out street course races and all kinds of crap like that because of what they did on the high racing they're doing all kinds of nonsense because they're basically running a gt3 car next year but I mean, for whatever they have to do to make any race at a cookie cutter better than whatever the fuck we've had for a decade plus, it's it's been pretty bad. It's been all bad for a while, honestly, at cookie cutters. But Charlotte, you generally used to look forward to Charlotte and its home and all these things, but the racing there has been brutal. And then they decided that they're going to take it from a track that's meh to the worst effing racetrack that exists in society that isn't like you know saudi arabia or russia i mean they, that's literally where we're at i mean at the end of the day it's texas motor Speedway, so it kind of makes sense that it's kind of in the same realm as russia yeah, and, the all-star race and and yeah which we'll get into here in a little bit you know talking about like where's the worst tracks that exist in them in in the world and yeah texas motor speedway is that and we'll um get into that uh here uh in a little bit the points as of now uh now who knew the freaking william but By- they, they they just fired freaking uh what's his name timothy peters and now all of a sudden they're doubling down and they're gonna go and have not only josh berry drive for them the rackley war team but then they're also gonna have william byron randomly living. Who the hell wants William? I mean, I guess he he should have won a championship, but then because of the rules, they, they made the William Byron rules so that you could go and reset the points. Like, that's what that rule is. Uh, When he had the most points, he probably should have made the final four, and he didn't even because he had, like, one bad race during the playoffs. So now he's going to run a Rackley war truck. So I don't even know what the hell that's for, but – uh probably get all the in breeders going um denny hamlin of course still leads the points 7.7 average finish which is ridiculous 11 top 10s 9 top 5s uh kyle larson who's got the points lead the the points lead in general because he has so many uh yes the 3 the two wins but he has 19 playoff points after winning all th- three stages plus the race and all that so huge night for him uh passes Martin Truex Jr in terms of playoff points so right now it's Hamlin, Larson, Byron, Elliot Logano, top 5 so 3 Hendrick cars in the top 5 uh Truex, Blaney, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski The only two drivers in the top ten that haven't won a race are Hamlin and Harvick. Now we were talking about Hamlin, Harvick and Clyde. Now it's just Hamlin and Harvick. In terms of this top 16, Michael McDowell has a what is it? 31 point lead on Matthew Benedetto. And of course he has a win, so he's already in that way. So 31 points on Matt Uh, DiBenedetto, 38 points on Ricky Stenhouse, and then it's much uh, bigger gaps after that. Uh, Yeah, so points right now, you know, you're 15 races in, 11 races to go before the cutoff, and it looks basically like if you're not in the top 16 right now, you're going to need to get a win. If you're in the top 16 and you haven't won yet, or you don't have a lot of playoff points, it's you need to start earning them real quick because you're going to be giving up a lot of ground to the likes of Hamlin, Larson, Martin Truex uh, as it stands as they go to Snoroma uh, this weekend for the uh, Toyota Save Mart 350. Cup Series race uh, coming up. Uh, in terms of the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs uh, gets the win, his second career win. No sponsor, but he drove solid enough race. Took the air off uh, Chase Briscoe's uh, left rear corner and got him to spin around. Uh, would have been something to see Chase Briscoe win a race again. It's been a little while, um, I say that as a, in full bias, but uh, to take a mostly B.J. McLeod deal, I'm sure that was a Stuart Oscar for him to qualify second. That was a Stuart Oscar. I mean, Riley Herbst qualified on pole, so the fact that Riley Herbst qualified on pole tells you uh, they have a good cookie-cutter deal there. Uh, yeah, Ty Gibbs wins the race, takes air off Briscoe. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to give on that. I mean, I actually sat there and watched that race, honestly. Which, for for me to go and watch an Xfinity race the way things are right now, uh, it needed Chase Briscoe to be in it, and I didn't even. I think I just backed into it in a sense because I forgot that he was in it. Uh, cause he hadn't been in it in a while. So other than that, was it Briscoe led 60 laps? Emmerich led the most laps, won the first two stages, and then got involved in the wreck. Cause then because it's Daniel Hemrick. I mean, that's what happens to me. if there's one person that has no luck at all in, in racing to close the deal, I think it's Daniel Hemrick. uh, He had a car that could have won that race, and then he got in traffic because they had between, I think, pit stops and then their pit position because of what happened at Coda, he was fucked because I think the 13 was in front of him, the 6 was behind him, or one of the Johnny Davis cars. So then every time he pitted, he was losing track position. So it's like a brutal deal. If it was like a long green – like if it was actually a proper race – I think Daniel Hemrick might have won that race going away but unfortunately because of stages and all the other nonsense that NASCAR does he um, paid the price there but I it, one of these days he's going to win a race I, I don't know when but he has to he's too good of a driver he's too good of a guy to go and not win a race but yeah Freaking uh, Grandpa's Boy gets a second win. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Xfinity race there, Josh?
1: Yeah, I mean, at least with the, the highlight there, Frisco and uh, Ty Gibbs getting into it and in turn two and racing pretty hard. I mean, at least you can still see that type of action in the Xfinity series. And they're definitely more powerful cars right now than the Cup Series. You know, a lot of people don't think that's right. I agree. Not the first time, and it's not like it's a new thing that they've done in the last couple of years. It's, it's happened before, going back to the 80s. Uh, at least that's what Dale Jr. says. Uh, so, you know, uh, sh- certainly shouldn't be the case. But, you know, anyways, the Xfinity, I mean, uh, Ty Gibbs gets a, his second career win. Uh, uncharacteristically, it's a unsponsored car for Gibbs, uh, which normally we see the monster car or colors on there. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, I guess maybe they didn't have enough sponsorship uh, to cover that, but regardless of fact, still Gibbs' car that won the race, uh, you know Briscoe probably probably should have won it if they didn't get into it there and spin out off a of turn two,
0: but uh, that's how it yeah, is he, sometimes. Yeah, he didn't have he lost handle on that last run, basically is what they said, and I mean it sucks. Whatever the last set of tires didn't really suit the car he had. He had a guy moonlighting for him as a crew chief. That's pretty well known uh, named Zippy. So that, that shows if, if Briscoe actually had a crew chief in the cup series, he might be able to actually do something. Uh, Yeah. Maybe
1: Briscoe or, or yeah, Briscoe can go tell Tony to bring, bring back his old friend and crew chief him.
0: Yeah. I, I would take Zippy any day over what the fuck Briscoe has right now. I would take, Boswell, and and he Boswell would have bad days, whatever. Like Boswell wouldn't have his best stuff, but even Briscoe could work with that. I would take. I mean, the, the I don't, I don't know what the hell is going on with the rest of Stuart haas Racing, but they're fucking garbage. And for me, as a Briscoe guy, uh, it's unacceptable. Uh. Running twenty fifth and points, I mean, if you're an Eric almirola person, whoever those fifteen people are that are fans of Eric almirola you should probably want to hang yourself. It's it's the worst. See, like he he ran for RPM and they sucked and all that. Like that's one thing. He drove for DEI when they were dying. You know, like he drove for bad teams. But like this is the worst. This is one of the worst seasons ever. Uh, It's like it's like Jimmy Spencer's 1994 year, minus the fact that he cheated and won two races like that's literally what this is for Eric Almirola. Uh, He literally needs to back into. Two victories to make the playoffs. That's that's how bad it is. He's beyond cold custard and cold custard hasn't done shit all year. I mean that's that's my thing. I mean at this point for Briscoe, my thing is beat those other two. As long as you beat those other two, you may back into a win. You may go and pull something out of your ass this weekend. Five years after Tony's last win, and and maybe get a a a caution a caution in your favor, uh, and win your first race. Like that's the kind of shit that has to happen. Uh, because even then, like when you're that far back in points, I mean, I don't like, that's the other thing. I guess I say that, I mean, there aren't going to be 16 winners as, as things stand. I think Hendrick cars are going to start winning a lot more. I think the Gibbs cars are going to win more. So in the end, as long as you win, you'll be able to make it, but you know, to be safe, you really have to, some of those cars that are outside of the top, 16 would probably need to win uh two races um gibbs Sindrick, harrison burton brandon brown who was the last who was the only car that had or team that had a set of tires after the briscoe spin was only able to get to fourth reddick uh for uh jordan anderson gets a top five briscoe who had a cold set of tires to put on, was able to get back to sixth. Ty Dillon driving uh, the second, what is it? I guess it's a Reum car. Uh, I think it's like a Ryan Sieg Reum deal. Gets a top 10. Bruckshot, shot, Jeb Burton, and Jeremy Clements gets another top 10. Uh, So he's having an amazing year for his organization, trying to make the playoffs. Uh, I think he's gonna because nobody else is really winning anyway. Sindric has the points lead over Harrison Burton, AJ Almendinger, Hemrick, and Allgaier. Uh, in terms of playoff points, it's Sindric and Allgaier, and then basically everybody else: Sindric, Allgaier, AJ Almendinger, Jeb Burton. So that's the the deal and Hemrick is up there, you know. So, you know, Burton, Jeb Burton, Justin Haley, Jeremy Clemens is eighth in points on merit, uh, is having a great year. Gagson, uh, Snyder, Bruckshot, Michael Annette is the uh twelve. They should probably make it ten. Uh right now, Bruckshot and Annette are only separated by six points and then 17 points between Annette and Brandon Brown. Herbst is in 14th. Ty Gibbs has only run six races and he's 60 points out of, or not, out of 11th. So there's been 12 races so far this year and he's only run six and he's only 60 points out of a playoff spot Uh, that probably tells you that the series isn't that good this year uh, when ty gibbs what the hell is his average finish right now his average finish is 5.2 and that'll do it it's that's around where syndric is anyway um but man i think the battle between him and Sam Mayer next year is going to be pretty cool in the Xfinity series for sure. Amongst other whoever else is going to be around, but I think that battle and a couple other people are going to be getting in there. It's going to be pretty cool to see. Uh Shula, where where are we at? Truck series is John Hunter Nemechek. That I don't really know what else to say. John Hunter Nemechek wins again uh he's basically supposed to i think at this point uh when you're when you have the experience that he has uh i think it's it's expected uh gets another uh victory what is it it works out third of the year uh first at Charlotte getting the fifty thousand cash for the triple truck challenge. I think the most uh newsworthy moment of the race was, I mean, yeah, Sheldon Creed got involved in a wreck, uh what does it work out? It was with uh his teammate, the twenty three of Chase Purdy was absolutely garbage, absolute drizzling shits bad, and then uh the thirty eight of uh Gill Lind, who still was able to make it back to the top five. The two truck wasn't able to get back, and the 23 had to park because of the damaged vehicle policy. The big story of the day I mean, they start and part Oh, that's part of it. They made Timothy Peters start and park. Ah, uh, that's why he quit. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. All right, so I just saw that here in the results. Uh, There was a Trey Hutchins deal uh, where he basically stopped on track. Uh, There was something else going on. I think Matt Crafton, somebody else was blown up. So they were looking at him or whoever they were thinking to lay in the oil down. Trey Hutchins stops in the exit of turn four and Johnny Sauter like absolutely demolishes the side of his truck and Trey Hutchins truck. And who was the other guy that got taken out in that deal was the 51 of uh, drew Drew dollar, Dollar. which whatever. So that was, I think, yeah, John Hunter wins. We kind of expected at this point, but I think that was the story of the race. How NASCAR, of course, does NASCAR things and allows Trey Hutchins' truck to basically get arc of fucked. And Johnny Sauter, if he was hurt, it would have been really, really bad. But he wasn't, thankfully. I mean, even though he's a douche, the fact that they took forever to get to him also was was a was a fail. I mean, it. I mean, I guess that's NASCAR being NASCAR, but man, that was a huge wreck, trending wreck on social media for all the wrong reasons.
1: Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, they should have had the yellow out when Hutchins was in the wall. I mean, I think they did have the yellow out for Matt Crafton anyways, but I mean, they should have been able to warn the drivers or something. Uh, to slow down because Salder hit uh, Trey Hutchins there at full speed, basically coming out of turn four and, you know, went in the air almost and uh, destroyed his car. Trey Hutchins, they're a single car team. That's their only car that they had their backup car is also the primary car. That's how single car team they are. And they are now destroyed and not really sure what they're going to do for their next race. They'll, have to figure out a way to uh, i mean it's completely totaled so they're gonna have to uh, figure out a way to buy a new car and race that uh, which is un- unfortunate for that team and not sure if they're running the whole season or whatever but uh, they're definitely gonna have to come up with something for whatever their next race is going to be um, and uh, it's definitely the storyline there and the, the response team uh, goes to show that Uh, They need a traveling safety team. And it's been a point that's been made over many years, uh, the last couple of years for NASCAR. And uh, it's been a thing in IndyCar for a long time. Uh, And I think NASCAR did implement some parts of that, but they haven't implemented it fully. Uh, I mean, they are using the AMR safety team, but it isn't really like the
0: same way it is in IndyCar. So they definitely got to improve that. Yeah, that's, that's, indycar formula one nhra are way ahead of nascar in that and that's been for decades uh for all of them uh, in that they're able to provide uh safety and the people know who the drivers and whoever know these people because they're there uh, and all of those series I mean, deaths and all that—all the worst has happened. But you know, Alex Zanardi wouldn't be here if it weren't for the IndyCar safety team. James Huntshoff probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for the IndyCar safety team. Formula One: Rubens Barrichello probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for Doctor Sid Watkins. You know, like there's Carl Venlinger. You know, like there—there's be like the safety safari NHRA amount of people that they've saved over the decades that they've been around. I mean, it's not really that hard. The amount of money a NASCAR makes for as garbage of a product they put out there, you can get a traveling safety team. Uh, And I mean, but then, you know, what you're working with, you're working with the lowest common denominator. And it kind of makes sense that they're willing to do that. Uh, John Hunter has a 44 point lead on Ben Rhodes. Austin Hill third, Creed fourth, Todd Gillen fifth. Of course, four of those five have won a race. Austin Hill is pretty dang solid. Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Friesen, Enfinger, Hosevar is the top 10. 45-point lead for Hosevar over Johnny Sauter. Self is only two points behind that. There's actually a pretty good battle uh, between Sauter, Self, Smith, and Angram. Uh Less than 20 points separate them, but still, you need to win. Uh, they'll all have to win to probably make the playoff at this point. Uh, yeah, after that don't really matter. Uh, Truck Series will be back a few weeks time yet uh they'll be at uh whatchamacall they'll Let's... be at texas too texas too oh yeah that's right they'll have a doubleheader on saturday texas uh truck race will be early in the afternoon so that'll be sketchy as hell and then they'll have the xfinity race in the afternoon so there'll be plenty of destruction there Then you'll have the Cup Series on Sunday with, I think, the Open and then the All-Star Race, which has, I think, at least 18 stages, might be going up as we go on. As the days go on, they might add another stage and another gimmick on Goosage's last run uh, as the whatever the hell he is at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, as he walks out and leaves it to go and hopefully go under and go and sink into the earth like our whole entire country, the whole entire earth, whatever, the whole entire United States is probably going to go down eventually because of global warming. But uh, we won't be around for that, but hopefully Texan Motor Speedway beats us to that uh, by a few thousand years. Uh, because that place should just be blown up. It's one of the worst uh, facilities that exist in society. With um, all that, we'll go to the roundup. So, yeah, MotoGP was at Barcelona. Or not Barcelona. It was at the Barcelona this weekend, but last weekend they were at Mugello, uh, Fabio Quartararo won the MotoGP race in pretty dominant fashion, which is a big deal for him. He's gone on a run uh, joining, you know, recent Yamaha uh, riders like uh, Rossi and Jorge Loretto. Oh, I wish Ben Spees would have been able to win or other, or, what is it called, Colin Edwards, but they weren't able to have as fortunate of a ride when they were at Yamaha like that. Uh, let me just go and get into some of the results there. So, Quattro over Miguel Oliveira and Joanne Meir, the defending world champion. Johan Zarco in fourth, Brad Binder in fifth. So, KTM's second and fifth. Jack Miller makes it uh gives Ducati two riders in the top six. Alex Chispargo, Maverick Vignalos, Danilo Petrucci, and Valentino Rossi the top ten. Uh in terms of riders, Morbidelli, Brutal, uh weekend for him and Luca Marini, both of them didn't score points. Mark Marquez wrecked on um, lap one with Peko Bagnaya, who was up front uh, on the front row. So brutal deal for both of them. Alex Rins made a big error in in the race while he was up front. So Quattroaro right now has a 24-point lead. After his third win of the year and fourth podium and five out of six races, he's been in the top five. So pretty good run for him. Zarco's in second, only two points out of his uh, Ducati teammate, Bagnaia, seven points ahead of Jack Miller. And then Joanne Meir is 16 points back. And of Zarco and forty out of the overall points lead to try to defend his uh world championship there and um just have to go give me a second here, and the other oh. Extreme e, uh, was uh at in Senegal uh with the Rosberg team getting another uh victory at uh in Senegal there and uh there was yeah you know, Extreme despite uh they had Rossberg, X44 and So, basically, it was a Formula 1 benefit. You had Nico Rosberg's team versus Lewis Hamilton's team versus uh, Jensen Button's team. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, the Lewis Hamilton team, X44, made contact or exited turn one, Molly Taylor and uh, Gutierrez, whatever, made contact. And that's basically where that hole went, unfortunately. Uh so X forty-four falls short again. But we will see what goes on with Xtremi as the uh year or the rest of the season goes on. It'll be a it was a two month break until they race the Arctic. Xpre, in um whatever the hell that is never even heard of that track kanger slug whatever the hell it is I've never even heard of that that's great uh so that's the schedule that's for extreme e uh passing you had moto two at Mugello, which saw uh Remy Gardner win over Raul Fernandez, Marco Bazacchi, Joe Roberts in fourth, Cameron Bobier a top ten. Uh so two Americans in the top ten there. So big deal. Uh there was what is it? There's a couple again like that. And then you have Roberts is sixth in points, but he's uh what is it 14 and 64 70 points back in sixth so right now it's Remy Gardner versus Raul Fernandez uh Remy Gardner has got his first win last week and has been on the podium in all but one race and that one race that he was fourth Raul Fernandez has won twice this year been on the podium four times so Super consistent, and Marco Bisecchi is third, who is uh 26 points out of the points lead. And Moto 3, there's also that, and then you have uh, all the stuff we talked about right there. Uh, Esteril, world superbike. Um, let me just go and go over that quickly. In regards to race one, we saw Scott Redding over Rasugulu, Ray, Garrett Gerloff, and Michael Rubin Rinaldi in the top five. In the Super Bowl race, Ray over Rasagulu, Redding, Garrett Gerloff, and Rinaldi, and then in race two. It was Ray over Davies, uh, Alex Lowe's, and Andrea Locatelli with uh, Garrett Gerloff crashing in lap one with Michael Rubin-Rinaldi. So big loss of points there. Their next race will be Misano. Uh, the standings, as of now, Jonathan Ray has a 35-point lead over um 36 over Scott Redding. Lowe's is fourth. Garrett Gerloff is fifth or sixth in the points standings. So that's the, uh, what you would call roundup for this week. We'll transition into the formula one, uh, Azerbaijan grand Prix. Uh, I think the storyline is simple. Uh, What can Lewis do to recover after a brutal Monaco Grand Prix to go and take the fight to the Red Bulls since this track theoretically should suit the Red Bulls over the Mercedes? But what else are you looking for outside of what I mentioned?
1: Well, yeah, there's that. The Mercedes and Red Bull conversation is going to be, I almost feel like it's going to be a toss-up between who wins pole I mean, it's going to be between Max Verstappen and and, uh, either or Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bottas. So uh, it's going to be definitely an interesting battle for sure with uh, long straights at Baku City Circuit and a lot of uh, 90-degree corners, which probably favors a driver like Valtteri Bottas. I think another team maybe we have to look out for is McLaren. Uh, Lando Norris has had great pace all season so far. Uh, I think this is an, another track that kind of favors their car, especially with probably being in kind of a a low downforce type of setup uh, for for this track, trying to get uh, as many as as much speed out of the car as possible. Maybe Ferrari too, uh, being up there uh, as uh, you know behind Red Bull Mercedes, so that's going to be another interesting uh, thing to look out for. Who's going to be the best of the rest between? uh Ferrari and uh McLaren uh I think this race uh it's probably going to be an interesting podium for sure I mean I uh a lot of things can happen seems like this is one of the more unpredictable per se races that we've seen in Formula One since it's been on the schedule you had the Lewis and uh, Sebastian Vettel uh incident under caution a, a few years ago in 2017 at the uh wreck between uh Verstappen and, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, two teammates wrecking 2018. Uh, and then, of course, I think the last race there in 2019, uh, Valtteri Bottas ended up winning there. So it would be a good chance for Valtteri Bottas to get in the wins column if he's able to. Uh, a good chance for Max Verstappen to extend his points lead or at least uh, get another victory. And then, of course, Lewis Hamilton, chance to get back into the title fight. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of storylines to look out. Uh, for here, and I think uh, poll. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Max for stopping, winning poll. And then I think uh, the winner, I think uh, I think Lewis is gonna figure out how to uh, beat Max for stopping. Don't know how, but he's gonna try to figure out a way to outdrive him throughout the straights and then uh, just uh, take away his line in the corners, I guess, or something like that. And then uh, I, I think uh, yeah, Max for stopping, probably second, and then. Third, uh, I'm going to go
0: with Orlando Norris uh, on the podium there. Yeah, I think Lewis responds. I mean, he usually does when uh, we talked about it on Grid Talk during the preview. So Grid Talk podcast was on the preview for Azerbaijan last week. You can see it on YouTube or get it on anywhere where uh, you listen to podcasts. Uh, I think Lewis responds here i do want to say max uh because of the way the car is and the power unit everything kind of lands in his favor but i think lewis goes and responds and he there it sounds like from at least initial takeaways whatever the response by mercedes has been good so we will see what happens in practice uh but i think he goes and wins this race Uh, I don't know if he'll win pole, but I I figure he wins this race. And I figure Max finishes second, so he's not going to lose a huge amount of points. There's a huge point swing, won't be as much of a point swing. And in terms of third, I think Charles Leclerc, Um, if he gets to actually race, I think Charles Leclerc will be able to go and sneak a podium out. Uh, it'll be first one in a while for him. Uh, after what happened at Monaco, the brutal nature of what happened to him there, I think he'll respond and get third-place finish, qualify top five with, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think Checo, whether it's Checo or, or Valtteri Bottas that round out the top three, can't really speak to that. I also think that Lando and Daniel Ricardo, now that they've built a new chassis for him, will be able to stand up there as well. But to be determined, Formula 1 will be back this weekend at Baku with Formula 2. Guan Yu a points leader there. A uh, bunch of guys that are chasing him. Robert Schwartzman's had a brutal start to the year. Uh, he's trying to go and kind of make up for a lot of points lost. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, they'll have three races at Baku this weekend. Uh, after that, we'll get into the race at uh, Mid-Ohio. We'll start with the Xfinity Series, Mid-Ohio, uh, because it's a off race there. The current. Yeah, so David, so there's the 13 car and Dylan Bassett 77 don't make the race. So they have 40 cars for this deal. Preston Partis backs in right on the end with uh Gray Galding. Joe Graff Jr. is probably gonna say he pulled a muscle or some crap to get out of it so they can actually put somebody who can actually drive in it. Uh, the 47 made the race, and the 74, which is whatever, probably shouldn't have allowed that. Uh, Chris Wright, Mac Jaskill. so Chris Wright uh, had issues in the race uh, at Coda a few weeks ago. Josh Berry will be driving for Jordan Anderson. He'll be starting pretty far back in 31st. Miguel Peludo, 29th. Lally will be in the 23 uh starting 27th and you know a bunch of other kind of cellar dweller kind of guys jade buford who's going to be on american ninja warrior uh starts 19th ryan vargas actually um will be in this race so that'll be something uh after missing a couple races uh what is it called the top 10 starters will be cindric gibbs Harrison Burton, Jeb Burton, so the Burton cousins will be on the road, too. Allgaier, Brown, Brandon Jones, or Bruckshot Jones. I actually called him by his actual government. You need to go and write that down, man. I actually called him by his actual government uh, for for austerity's sake. Because I defect. Ugh. Wow. Uh, Herbst, or uh, Bruckshot, Clements, Herbst, and Haley. The top ten, and I mean, I guess you you look at the front row. I everyone's going to say Sindrick Almendinger. Almendinger is a former winner there, so is Cindric. It's a home race for him. His uh, grandfather was the late Jim Truman. One of his grandfathers, late Jim Truman. Uh, so I mean, there's I think. That in its own right is its own battle between the two great road racers. Uh, I figure the winner comes from one of those two, but outside of those two, who do you look for as somebody that could stand out and possibly go and sneak that victory or do something that could really help their cause? Well, I think it's pretty
1: easy, actually. I think you have to look at Ty Gibbs as a guy that could uh, be up there. Cause I, uh, you know, he won at Daytona road course and and it seems like he's pretty good on these road courses. I mean, that's the only one he's been. So uh, look out for him to try to uh, make a case for him uh, to get a a third win and uh, in the 54 car this year, back to back wins actually. Uh, So I I would, I would actually look at him because we talk about Cindric being a favorite as always uh, AJ Allmendinger being a favorite uh, in this race, but I think you have to look at the 54 cars. They they won uh, at Daytona Road Course this year, and they can prove. And then also they did win with Kyle Busch behind the wheel at Coda. So uh, I think we really have to look at the 54 as a, a strong threat outside of Cindric and Almendinger.
0: Yeah, I, I'll just go and pick adderall Uh But Ty Gibbs, of course, uh, is a great call. Uh, with the unsponsored Toyota. Uh, I think he'll be up there. Those are going to be the three, the twenty-two, 54, 16. It'll come down to one of those three. Of course, you can't discount Jesse Auger because he's won multiple road course races. He's a solid shoe trying to go and accumulate points, put himself in a better position once they get to the playoff run uh to see who's gonna get that uh Xfinity series championship. The cup series will be at Snoroma uh this uh weekend for the uh Toyota Save Mart 350 Young Money will be on the pole and uh what is it? Elliot, second, who's now become this uh, cup series road course king. Uh, I mean, I, I guess the question is if it isn't a. I, I think it'll be between a Hendrick or a Gibbs car. So I guess give us your pick, a dark horse or whatever, but then. If it isn't a Hendrick or a Gibbs car, who do you think could possibly get out there and get that win at a track that's very hard to pass, very technical?
1: Well, uh, I mean, it's if it's a Hendrick car, it's going to be uh, Chase Elliott most likely. He's been basically the most formidable guy on the road courses. Uh, Alex Bowman's been pretty solid so far on the road courses uh, this season as well. Um, I think it's probably going to be one of those cars if it's coming from the Hendrick camp. And I think in uh, the Gibbs camp, uh, I'm going to go probably Martin Truex there uh, and maybe Kyle Bush, Both of them have won in the past at uh, Sonoma. And then can't forget about uh, Christopher Bell obviously being uh, a winner in uh cup for the first time at uh, Daytona Road Course, uh, though this one's definitely a bit more technical. So uh, it'll be interesting if uh, he can be a contender there but I I think if um if we're gonna go with uh I guess like a someone that's outside of that group uh it's a it's a tough one but uh, you know I'm gonna go with uh Kevin Harvick he hasn't won yet this year and he's uh won at Sonoma in the past and definitely uh Ford and uh Stuart Haas uh, are looking for victory so uh I think this is a a track that he's been to uh before he's a lot more familiar with this than he is uh, Daytona Road and Coda so I think uh Harvick may be a guy we should look out for uh this weekend at Sonoma and then I think maybe for a, a dark horse uh as far as somebody that uh probably won't contend for a win but you know could be up there in the top ten or something like that uh gonna have to go with uh, Daniel Suarez uh, they've definitely figured it out a way to maximize the potential of their car i mean they definitely don't have the fastest car uh certainly they don't you know have a car that can compete on a week-to-week basis in the top five or in the top 10 but they figure out a way to get a stage point here and there they figured out how to uh you know be up there at the end like in that uh top 20 uh finish range so i think uh they're a team that maybe they can still top 10 this weekend at at sonoma maybe they can it's something like that, depending on how the strategy falls, they're definitely the type of team uh, that could do something like that and and uh, surprise a lot of people on a on a given weekend. And Sonoma is definitely one of those tracks that fits the bill for that. So uh, probably, I think for for the win, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Truex. Go for the three peat at Sonoma, and then maybe uh, Suarez, somebody we should look out for at this race.
0: Yeah, Truex is a prolific guy. To be his fourth win, if uh, you're prediction comes through, I'll go the easy route and I'll take Clyde. It would be his sixth uh, road course win. It would be, what is it, his fourth different track he's won at, too. birth. Uh, I mean, he was He's won Watkins Glen? He's won uh, at uh, the Roval. He's won at, yeah, it'd be at least his third. I thought it was like- I was looking and he's at won at just, Coda too. Coda, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be his fourth, sorry. Because that, that was kind of a cluster in its own right. So yeah, it'd be his fourth different road course he's won at, trying to chase the record Gordon and, and Smoke have in terms of most road course victories. But also he'd have that on them with all the different tracks because that's what was, what was available. Uh yeah, I think Clyde will be up there for sure, but uh yeah, I think it uh, True X or uh, Truex True X is gonna be up there, I think Clyde will uh win and then in terms of a wild card, I was thinking Suarez to Great Minds think alike. Um Man. It was a wild card in that sense. I'm just I, I Really don't know who would be the most viable. I think the. I mean, I, I can't even really say that. I don't think. What I was thinking there I, I, Suarez was probably my pick outside of the current top 16. There's. I mean. I'm sure it's like. What is it? The. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, Kyle Kyle Busch is a two time winner there. Kurt has won there once. Um, Yeah, Tony Stewart's five years since he won his last Cup race. Um, Yeah, I really. You know what? I'm I'm gonna basically go and and punch it out and leave it. I don't even have a. I don't even know who to pick for that freaking. Wild card, really. Like is I'm trying to you know what? I'll pick Pizza Face. Just for that's the sake wild of wild card. <laughs> oh no, that's right. That's not it because it's a top sixteen. Sorry. Um damn it. I'll pick D burrito. Why not? Yeah. Seventeenth in points, that's fine. We'll go with that. I I it it's coming. I'm just pulling it out of my ass. I have no I have nothing. It's it's Snoroma. It's a terrible race. They're gonna be going on a couple week or at least a week break after that randomly before NBC comes on to start their uh rest of the season in terms of T V. Uh so it's that. Uh yeah, let's throw to you, man. Sim segment uh guess you watched that chicago street race that they said was way too long and whatever else is going on let's let's uh, hear about your exploits on uh the i-racing
1: yeah i mean actually i didn't really i haven't really done anything on i-racing since the indy 500 a couple weeks ago but uh just been busy with some other stuff but yeah the uh chicago street course uh pro Invitational race and I, mean, I don't have any thoughts really like on the race itself. I mean, it was, you know, another iRacing Invitational where the drivers that are in the back end up winning. James Davison ended up winning. And it seems like there's a, a trend where a lot of these uh, top guys aren't, aren't up there. And yeah, it's a little bit different. You definitely have to get a lot of practice on this end. Uh, it's, you know, not like it isn't like the real thing. It's mostly a visual aid, I feel like, but you know, with uh, the, but it's definitely, definitely fun. But uh James Davison at least they get exposure there uh the the, the street course itself was uh, a really interesting layout they kind of built it into the city streets they didn't really make any uh modifications or uh anything like that you know some of the uh these street courses you know, with the way the layout is um I mean it's definitely integrated into the streets but it it uh doesn't make any like uh I guess changes or anything like like what you see at Long Beach, there are some corners there that uh, don't really follow the streets and um there are some corners at uh, St Pete where I saw it was a um you know you definitely go on to the airport for part of it, but this this looks like a pretty straightforward track based on the layout. um you know it's almost kind of like a um like a Watkins Glen it's gonna be like a lot of a lot of fast corners or a lot of fast streets, and then you have to break really hard to get into the corner or something like that, maybe more like a Road America in that sense, too. But uh, it's definitely an interesting layout, uh, and we could see it in a few years, maybe as early as uh, 2023 or something like that is what they were talking about, getting a a race there. And that'd be interesting, having a race on the streets of Chicago like that, and first street race ever in NASCAR, most likely, if it happens, uh, and that could be a a positive for the sport, bringing the the race to the city and letting people just see the, the race from you know, from the Sirius tower or wherever uh and being able to watch that, that would be a pretty cool site so it could be interesting and of course the the track is free or no it's not free it's uh, you had to buy it on iRacing but it is available to race on iRacing so uh probably try it out later this week or something like that we'll see uh I, I did think it was interesting that dale jr is up in the mountains in uh tennessee and then he was able to watch or play in the race uh like that with whatever setup, uh, uh, they they had he was outside
0: out. yeah he outside. was outside on like his deck with the yeah. steering wheel and whatever i think he had the he had the uh what call it the g twenty seven yeah he had yeah
1: the,
0: that's how, that's what i have yeah he had the same kind of setup as timmy hill kind of looking and out in deck with a uh, big monitor or something like that it it looked yeah, jesky yeah that's that's yeah well it's it's June bug. he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. But the
1: internet there, I mean, probably probably had to uh, I mean I assume it was on Wi-Fi, but um uh, maybe they found an Ethernet cable or something like that to reduce the uh ping on that. But that that was a pretty interesting setup there. And yeah, I have the same steering wheel and uh definitely uh shout out to the people who still use the G27 10 years later. Uh it's definitely still a good wheel to use, uh uh for those who are trying to get into sim racing, but yeah, we may see that course in a few years. He knows uh, definitely an uh, uh, interesting
0: layout there. But yeah, that's all I got. All right. So, I mean, with that, uh, we will um, end tonight's Grip uh, Strip podcast, episode 63. Went over Indy, went over Charlotte, going over the races we're going to have this coming weekend. MotoGP, of course, also be its circuit. There, Catalonia, there's other racing that's going on, of course. Uh, you can, um, let's uh hear from you, Josh, as you're going on there. Where can we follow you and where can we see you racing?
1: Yeah, as always, of course, uh, follow Twitter at uh, JP Huffine and, uh, you know, interact on there and we'll try to have, you know, race discussions on there or just Talk about whatever, and then of course uh, the driving stream, the racing stream on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv, TV. Uh, you sailor too, and we'll uh, have all the racing content up there and uh, follow follow the racing. And uh, feel free to uh, say anything in the chat and try to get to you uh, whenever possible. But yeah, that's where all the stuff will be at.
0: And you can follow us at you can follow us on Twitter. At grip strip Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip G Matthew. You can follow you can find the show on Philip along with Podbean. And just go and doing the shilling here, not Kurt Shilling because he's a cocksucker. Uh, we're on a- Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh what is it iheart radio stitcher tune in uh where anywhere basically you can get a podcast scripture podcast exists um hopefully i'll have all of these episodes out here um shortly and then you people can the fans and all that do listen to us God bless you uh, can go and binge and hear that none of us picked Alio Castronevez or I mean, I don't know who if we picked either of us picked Kyle Larson, but uh I figure one of us did. But I guess you can find out and uh see for sure. Uh so I guess we'll leave it at that. We'll come back next week for episode sixty-four. Uh Dick Trickle drove the sixty-four car for Jimmy Spencer and won a couple Xfinity races. So we'll call it episode Dick trickle as you just want to say Dick trickle, uh, or I do, uh, because it's great. And so many other people did. I mean, Kenny Maine, I think they made a big deal about that on the big show on sports center, uh, for years when he was driving the, the Junie Donlevy, High League Myers Ford, the, when he was driving a cup series. So with that, we uh, say good night, good day, whatever, wherever you're listening or whenever you're listening. And we thank you for listening and subscribing and give us likes, giving, give us follows, do whatever you have to do to go and support us as we grow this GSP. Uh, Thank you, Josh, as always being my great, sidekick and right hand man, my friend, uh doing this show and uh we uh hope you have good and safe, healthy and happy week and uh, take care of one another and God bless and uh take care.